Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good morning to you and welcome to this week's installment of Beyond Governance at 101.9 High FM. Uh, my name is Nimrod Mbele and I'm delighted to share this space and time with you as you develop the list of the show as we celebrate African Month. Uh, this month of May is recognized as Africa Month, uh, you just might recall it, at a time when the continent was commemorating its founding of the Organization of African Union. The idea was to was to establish an organization that seeks to pioneer the first continent of Africa in terms of its nation building through unity and free from you know, freedom from oppression of colonial history. In celebrating this milestone of the African uh, founding fathers of the African continent, the success of African Union, uh, all the all the countries through arts and culture, business formation, and a whole series of the world will host a number of celebrations on the 25th of May to celebrate this milestone. I think it is befitting for this show to join the multitude in celebrating milestone under the banner of African Union. Although we as Africans need to celebrate the modest achievement, given the plethora of social and economic challenges, we still need to focus our energies on the African Intercontinental Continental Free Trade, free trade Agreement, which is the largest free trade area started back in 2021, you might recall, which sought to create a market of 1.2 billion people and the eighth economic block in the world to the amount of about 3 trillion combined GDP, which is expected to be doubled by 2050. As we celebrate Africa Month, we need to showcase organizations, institutions uh, whose focus areas find expression in realizing the ideals of African Intercontinental Free Trade Agreement. In our own way, this show seeks to promote conversations which undermines popular narratives of African continent as a dark continent, underdeveloped, corrupt, and overly reliant on funding from donor organizations, which, by the way, in most instances, these uh, donor organizations advance their own cause at the expense of their host countries. We need to continue these conversations about the renaissance of African continent by instilling or promoting mindset around productivity, innovation, intellectual property, collaboration between and among African countries, businesses, academia, NGOs. The whole point is just we need to create that network of Africans across the board. If we do that, and when you continue to do that, we are surely able to ensure that Africa trade agreement is not going just to be a policy position of the continent. There are the programs such as these ones that support that kind of initiative. If you missed our previous show, not to worry. Simply download the podcast and listen to some of the captivating conversations I've had on this particular uh, matter. Our SMS line, of course, is 34519. Your thoughts and views are most welcome via my Twitter handle, which is at Nimrod. Before we start the show, let me take this opportunity to thank the, the producer of the show, Tabisa Thank you very much for coordinating it. And of course, Vusi um, in the station, who will eventually, uh, you know, put this thing together. Um, before we start the show, I think it's important just to, you know, quickly give a sense of what is it that we will be talking about in this beautiful morning here in Johannesburg. I'm joined by Solmolov, who is an executive at uh, Brand Hill Africa, and uh, Ubaba Cesar Njigalana, who is the MD at Meserate International. And we'll be talking about the Africa Month Hybrid Conference under the theme, The Role of Investment in Advancing African Free Trade Agreement Area. Essentially, from the two colleagues, we want to know 
what to expect for investment is such a fundamental part of any development. Without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome both colleagues. Welcome, Jingalana Nobraso. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning, my chief. Good morning to all your listeners, too, and also to my partner, Sisa. Good morning, uh, my side as well, to all the listeners. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to share some views in the run-up towards our event on Friday. Well, thank you very much, uh, Babu Jigalana and Prasol, for your time. We greatly appreciate your presence for you about to share with us. Fascinating conference, which is riddled with host of key players in the African continent. That would surely give us insight on how far the African trade, free trade agreement has advanced. What are the opportunities from an investment point of view? Who are the players? And how small men, ultimately, small men, can take advantage of this particular opportunities that is being presented through the, the conference that you are referring to. So just before we, you know, we, we get to this particular interesting and now we're going to quickly take a quick break and come back in a second. Uh, the listener, I implore you to stay tuned for this great stuff that is coming through. We'll be back in just a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, you haven't really missed them quite a bit. I'm joined by Usol Molobi, who is the Chief Executive Officer and Group Chair President at Brand Hill Africa, and as well as Ubabo Susan Jingalana, who is the MD at Miserate International. Uh, and we are talking about the Africa Month Hybrid Conference under the theme, the role of investment in advancing African free trade agreement area. Essentially, we want to know what is to be expected from that particular uh, conference, as it were. As we are starting, perhaps we may start with Brasol. We have been talking about the Africa Intercontinental Free Trade Agreement for a while now. Perhaps maybe we could just share a reflection with the listener in terms of what was the thinking first and foremost of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, what are updates? For so we have only started it back in 2018, two years down the line. Where are we in terms of ratification? Where are we in terms of signatures? Can you just take us to those two critical points, Russell? In fact, um, the Africa Month originates from 1963 when our forebears gathered in Ethiopia. And on the 24th of May, Kwame Nkrumah spoke about the unification of Africa. And basically, our forebears gathered so that they could see how they could unite and collaborate amongst themselves so that they could uh, reverse colonialism across the entire continent. But I think we could also go back to 19. 19- for when Pixley Kaisakaseme, who became one of the founders of the African National Congress, then called the South African Native National Congress, spoke about the regeneration of Africa in his graduation speech at the university in Europe. And that speech became the best student speech during that year. And he was responding to the degradation caused across the entire 
continent by the outcome of the Berlin Conference of 1884 and 1885. Now, on the back to 1963, on the 25th of May, then the leaders decided to establish what was then called the Organization for African Unity. And indeed, they took up Kwame Nkrumah's call to say that they were going to unite Africa. Kwame Nkrumah spoke about Africa becoming one integrated economy. And he even spoke about um, a universal visa across all African countries. He spoke about a common currency across the entire continent. And there was a bit of a lull, even though behind the scenes uh, leaders worked to realize this dream up until in 1980 in Nigeria, when the leaders again converged and they signed what they called the Abuja Treaty. That formally began the process of establishing what today we call the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. And it became operationalized uh, from 1 January uh, last year, 2021. And I would say that the progress has been very, very reassuring because right now, out of the 55 member states of the African Union, we have 54 states that have signed the agreement. It's only Eritrea which is outstanding. And what is even more reassuring is that out of the 54 member states that have signed the agreement, 43 as of last week have ratified it. And the 43rd country to ratify it last week was Morocco. So indeed, the progress of integration is very, very reassuring. And the agreement seeks to integrate the continent into one common market, becoming the largest free trade area in the whole world, as it it will be integrating 55 countries with a combined GDP of 3.6 trillion US dollars, and also with a market of about 1.267 billion consumers. So this is going very well, and this is why today, uh, this month, like we did last year, uh, we will go into that. We are going to celebrate the Africa Month, but with a special focus on the progress made already on the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreements operationalization. The Secretariat is based in Ghana, and we are privileged as South Africans to say the first Secretary General of the agreement is South African, uh, His Excellency Wamkele Mene. Thank you very much for that insight, uh, Prasam, which is quite illuminating for the listener. And I'm sitting here, I could only applaud in terms of your chronological articulation of issues. Uh, let me just bring Babu Zizita here. You, you know, just quick reflection of the, the significance of the free trade agreement from where you're sitting. Then we'll get into the, the juicy aspect of the conference itself. A quick reflection from your Babu season. From my side, uh, let's take a look at uh, the percentage of intra-African trade, which has been unfortunately low. It's at 15% right now. And uh, it has uh, remained low for the past 10 years with the uh, figures such as 
19%, which was the highest in 2015 and uh, 20% in 2016. Compared to Europe, where intra-European trade is uh, very high, beyond 60%, that on its own is an indication that uh, if we were to proceed with the African Renaissance, we need to turn around those figures from the dismal low double digits to fairly better digits than it is now. Of course, uh, also Africa's trade competitiveness continues to be limited by a number of uh, domestic factors, uh, low agricultural productivity and investment, poor transport and communication structure, and inefficient customs uh, procedures. On that note, Mr. could you just hold on for that second? Let's quickly pay our bills and come back in a second on the very same note about how we could improve the percentage of trade. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. You are listening to Beyond Governance at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrat Mbele and I'm joined by Son Molobi, who is the executive at uh, Brand Hill Africa, as well as Baba Caesar Mjigalala, who is the MD at Miserati International. And we're talking about the forthcoming hybrid conference under the theme, The Role of Investment in Advancing Africa Free Trade Agreement Area. Before we put that break, Baba Mjigalala, was giving us his perspective in terms of the low trade figures when it compares to African continent, when the figures compared to Europe. Europe is far ahead of us. Africa is very low. So Uwabungjigalana was giving us a his thought and perspective on what needs to be done to you know to change the landscape basically. Uwabungjigalana, please proceed on that note. As I had said, that uh, there are a number of uh, internal domestic factors uh, that uh, compromise us, such as low agricultural productivity and investment, uh, poor transport and communication infrastructures, inefficient customs procedures. These also became more clear during the pandemic period from 2022 up to now, particularly in that sphere uh, factor. The fact that we did not have even the capacity to manufacture the vaccines and other related pharmaceutical products to withstand the attack by the uh, pandemic. However, as we all know, ever since uh, the launch, the office of uh, His Excellency Ambassador Men has been at it. I think it's about 16 months now from last year, whereby they've been intensively doing their best to implement the free trade area. That's, amongst the other things, been the reasons why we wanted to take advantage of the Africa Month, get Ambassador Mene himself to share with us as to how far they have been able to roll out uh, whatever programs they have up to now. However, also within that context, the issue of trade and investment, which is what uh, strategies and measures are they putting into place to ensure that uh, the low figure of 15% is uh, something of the past. Well, thank you very much for that insight, um, Abunjinanana. 
You've raised a, a number of critical points, issues around low productivity in agriculture, poor transportation infrastructure, low investment rates, uh, issues around you know weak or lower manufacturing sectors, and issues around uh, low tech or perhaps maybe inavailability of tech to even defend our health from from COVID-19 pandemic. Those are quite critical issues that you have raised, which one could argue that the, the conference would give us an update on where the continent is in terms of getting the free trade agreement to take place. But before we get into the get to the you know the idea of the conference itself, I'm trying to ask Brasol here in terms of country strategies supporting the continental free trade agreement. Over and above the certifications, over and above signing, there has to be country to country strategy. Perhaps maybe could give us a sense of which countries have been able to put a strategy together, which countries haven't. I'm particularly quite interested with South Africa, as it were. Brasol? In fact, um, when the countries ratify the agreement, they also submit the modalities of how they are going to implement the agreement. And maybe also to say that the agreement seeks to increase intra-African trade by eliminating tariffs on up to 90% of the products are produced and manufactured on the continent. And by so doing, this should be able to increase intra-African trade as it will make locally produced or locally manufactured products to be priced competitively in comparison to all the products that are imported into the continent. Even South Africa, in order to ratify the agreement, they submitted their instruments for operationalization. But from where I'm sitting, there isn't sufficient excitement in South Africa compared to other countries with regards to the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. I think we'll tell you even last year, it was only the ANC through its International Relations Committee that organized a seminar on the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. And that was that effort was headed by Cisa Njigelan, my partner here. And then Brenhill then also organized another seminar in partnership with the African Diplomatic Corps resident in Pretoria. But we have never seen our government uh, up until today organizing conference to mobilize everyone so that they could all buy into the agreement. And this is my only worrying thing about South Africa, because when you go onto social media, you realize that other countries organizing seminars almost every week, mobilizing all sectors of society to embrace the agreement, because it is Africa's hope for redevelopment. It is Africa's hope to reverse the frontiers of poverty, of unemployment, of inequality across all sectors. And this is why even this year we decided to partner and to organize this event. And we are quite humbled that um, the Secretary General, who His Excellency Wamkele Mene, has agreed to honor our invitation. Thank you very much, Sol. I mean, quite disturbing to hear that there's not much energy when compared to other African countries, as you correctly pointed out, that initiatives such as these need 
government support needs robust clear strategy on resource mobilization clear strategy in terms of communication um, across the board so that all businesses in south africa first and foremost they know about the free trade agreement they're able to ask pertinent questions in terms of where they fit how they fit how to access resources which institutions are at the forefront um, and which institutions aren't so these kinds of conversations are quite pertinent and the government obviously needs to take its leadership position in driving this particular issue. Let me just take this opportunity and ask Bob Caesar, what do you think are the limitations and what needs to be done differently to propel government to assume its rightful position in articulating and advocating for the free trade agreement as much as other African countries have already led the process? The starting point is that the internal weaknesses are inherently historical. Most countries in Africa have rather unfortunately retained their trade links with the former colonial masters. Well, of course, quite understandable. And uh, if you look at uh, the efforts to build a united Africa, politically it has been quite an effort and there are some visible achievements. However, when it comes to trade, that's where the weaknesses have been. And we, of course, one putting lamentation aside, one can then with great admiration look at what we have at this stage. Of course, if you drill down to a number of things, over and above the areas that we have highlighted, uh, there are quite a number of other factors that one has uh, to look into as uh, trade uh, barriers. The tariffs uh, in particular, both, you know, the tariffs uh, amongst us, which are very complex and complicated, which need to be made uniform and standardized. Non-tariff measures, which also technical barriers to trade, trade pricing and other quality and quantity controls, but also the imbalances in terms of economies amongst the various countries. If, if, if uh, Putnam wrote, you look at uh, the history of just signing as well ratification of the free trade area itself, quite a number of issues around the unevenness were raised and uh, there had to be intensive negotiations as to how that is going to be addressed. And I think it is quite an achievement, although we haven't seen the concrete realization, but uh, I'm sure those who were in the negotiating rooms were able to give assurance as to how such unevenness in terms of levels of uh, economic advancement amongst the various African countries will be addressed along the way as the programs get rolled out uh, within the continent. I think I'd like to highlight and highly emphasize that because uh, should we do our best and work out programs that really become quite sensitive, let's say specifically to countries who are less economically developed, even within Africa, will uh, get somewhere. So that's just amongst a plethora of uh, challenges that uh, we will be facing that can not just uh, take us some distance, but give confidence in advancing and improving intra-African trade.
the negotiations on the implementation of the agreement was divided into two phases. And the first phase involved negotiations on trading in services and goods. And the feedback given at the African Union Heads of State and Government Assembly in February, uh, during the first week of February this year, indicated that whilst the target was removal of tariffs on 90% of goods, the progress was reassuring because we are now sitting at 87.7% of the target. And the second phase involves negotiations on investment agreements. Listeners may remember that countries have bilateral investment promotion and protection agreements with other countries and other continents. So the agreement seeks to standardize an agreement which will cover the entire continent universally. The second one item which is being discussed right now is an agreement on e-commerce, a digital trade. We do know that the outbreak of COVID-19 pandemic has catapulted us into adopting digital commerce platforms. And for that reason, we do know that cybercrime is on the rise. And that is why all the EU member states uh, through the Secretariat have to agree on the e-commerce regime so that it advances our economy whilst at the same time it is protecting the interests of our consumers. And the third item for discussion during the second phase is agreement on intellectual property. This is a contentious one because they also look at, if we say the agreement has to benefit locally made and locally produced products and goods and services, what actually do we mean? If I was to give you an example, if in South Africa we are assembling BMW and Mercedes-Benz, do they qualify as made-in-Africa brands simply because we only assemble them? We also look at the issue of international trade, where right now you have a brand which is owned by one country. If I was to give you an example, a Levi Jean is owned by it's an American brand, but a place of production is not in the U.S., is in China. So negotiations on intellectual property are also uh, interrogating this to say what qualifies as a made-in-Africa product or service. So they are looking at these issues. And the last one, which is very important, and we have already alluded to it, Dr. Nimrod, is how do youth and women benefit from the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement? So these are the four issues which are being discussed, and we are hopeful that the Secretary-General is going to give us behind-the-scenes latest uh, developments on how far the negotiations are on these four items, which form part of uh, negotiations of the second phase of the agreement. Thank you very much uh, for that uh, insight, um, uh, Brasol. 
we certainly hope that the Secretary General Ubabunene will give us uh, even deeper understanding of where things are. On that note, let's take a quick break and we'll come back just in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, this is Beyond Governance at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrat Tembele. I am joined by Sol Malobu, who is an executive at Brand Hill Africa, as well as Ubabu Caesar Njigalala, who is the MD at Miserati International. We are talking about the you know, the hybrid conference under the theme, the role of investment in, in advancing Africa free trade agreement uh, area. Before we enter the break, we got very in-depth understanding of the status quo as it will be unpacked during this particular conference. If I could quickly recap what I picked up from USIZA um, earlier on. First and foremost, the capacity of state is in question here, given the complexities and complicated nature of issues such as the free trade agreement areas, which I've picked it up. I've also picked up that the pace of delivery has to do with imbalances in economies, which is attributed you know, to the historical colonial era. So those are two big issues that I've picked up from your end, but we see that, that the conference will probably shed more light in terms of how the state capacity can be beefed up to take uh, this new programming forward. And also the issues around uh, the, the trade barriers. From Saul's perspective, I picked up four critical areas which pretty much the center of the agreements as it were. First and foremost, has to do with the trading in services, which according to according to Saul, there's been some improvement from 90 to 87%. There's investment agreements, uh, which needs to be standardized. There's also agreement on intellectual property, which is in his view, and I would strongly agree with him that it's a very contentious issue. The last issue is uh, youth and, and women uh, benefit. So these are issues that are picked up from the conversation from the two colleagues, which the expectation is to really get more insight on the progress made from His Excellency's keynote address. Can you just perhaps maybe go back to the four critical areas which Saul spoke about? First is trading in, in services, investments, which is the actually essence of the conference itself on intellectual property as well as youth and women. The investment regime as it were, one of the drivers of economic development and investment. So what are we to expect from the conference from an investment point of view? The conference will be taking place this Friday, the 6th of May from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock. And people, not only in South Africa, but across the entire continent, will be connecting virtually through Zoom. We will be able to communicate the, the Zoom details um, for people to connect, but also people should visit the Brain Hill Africa website and the Jumbo Africa online website so that they could be able to get the, the login details for those who may not be able to catch them. With this conference, we are not going to clinch any deals, but basically we just want to give an update to all sectors of our societies particularly the business community, on how far the progress has been made 
on operationalizing the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. But also to say that, just to respond to what Butsisa was saying, the agreement also takes into consideration that our economies are unequal in the sense that it then says some countries, your advanced economies like South Africa, Egypt and Nigeria, and many others, they will be expected to enforce the agreement within 10 years. And there are smaller economies that uh, which may be consumed by the bigger economies, which will be given up to 15 years to operationalize the, the agreement. So for that reason, we are looking at equitable operationalization of the agreement. Therefore, even smaller economies have no reason to fear that they will be swallowed up by bigger economies. The agreement will benefit the continent as a whole. Thank you very much uh, for that insight. Prasiza, on, while on this issue of uh, equity, your take in literally in about uh, a minute or two, the value of cascading you know, operationalization of the free trade agreement given the inequities or inequalities of countries, as you have correctly pointed out. What does that mean? All I was saying is that uh, if you take a SACU agreement here in, in, in the southern tip of the continent as an example, those are the kind of instruments that uh, will be taken on board, I assume, by the authorities and those involved. This is where we sort of somewhat wrap up the conversation. Before we do the wrapping up, can we get Oprah Sol just to give us the details of where to log on? And, and how people can access this very interesting conversation that is taking place this coming Friday. We will be having the Secretary General giving the keynote address, and we are privileged to say that uh, there will be three respondents. The first respondent will be Mr. Ben Laker, the CEO of DRC Invest, and then the second one will be the ambassador of Morocco to South Africa, His Excellency uh, Yosef Amrani. And the last one will be Peter Karegwa, the CEO of Invest in Africa Conference. So people should go onto our website for the login details. It's www.brandhillafrica.com. Or they should also visit our news portal, www.jamboafrica.online. They will get the login details. No, thank you very much for that insight. Your parting shot, Baban Jigalano, on this uh, interesting conversation we've had. And more importantly, what to expect when we're having the conference in the next two days. Your parting shot. My particular appeal is people who would benefit uh, first and foremost from this event, that is entrepreneurs, obviously. However, uh, diplomats as well as policymakers are very much welcome because uh, then it will be able to get them to have a, a finger on the pulse even more than before. The same goes to academics who obviously are embroiled in research as well as monitoring and evaluation of the unfolding of this uh, brilliant initiative within our continent. That's my uh, take that uh, if they could uh, come out in numbers as much as is possible to get it from the horse's mouth, that is Ambassador Mene, that will be very beneficial for all of us, particularly for the future rolling out of the 
programs around the AFCFTA. Absolutely. Thank you very much, colleagues. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it here, Brasol. As always, uh, you and Babin Jingalanga, we welcome your thoughts and views. Certainly think the listener have something to chew. We'll certainly log on all those details that you've given. They will join uh, in their multitude for the conference is meant for policymakers, is meant for academics, is meant for NGOs, is meant for uh, businesses across the board for them to tune in and really get it from the horse's mouth as Jingalanga has correctly pointed out. Colleagues, thank you very much for your time and thanks for gracing the airways with your presence. Thank you very much and thank you to your team. Asante Sane, thank you very much. There you are. This is a, a very interesting conversation I've had with Solmolo, who is an executive and a group chairperson at Brand Hill Africa, as well as Cesar Jingalana, who is an MD at Miserate International. We are really giving in-depth understanding of how you know the, the the Africa trade investment has gone thus far. They will also get more insight from that particular end uh, in the forthcoming conference, which uh, is organized under the theme, the role of investment in advancing African free trade and agreement area. Unfortunately, we have left, we have no time left. Once again, let's do this again next week. It has been an absolute pleasure. This is Nimrod Timberne signing off. Adios. Bye.